0: Havana with Camilla Cabello. And this is Michael Moore. And this is Rumble with Michael Moore. And I just thought it'd be a nice uh, little summery tune. Although it doesn't sound very happy on some level. It sounds like she wants to be in Havana, but she's stuck in East Atlanta then the rest of it's in Spanish. So I can't, I don't know. I, I got, I had three semesters of Spanish and I forgot everything. Cause like with, I think when you learn a foreign language, right, you have to keep speaking it. And I'm fortunate enough to live in a country where I don't know, like probably 20% of the country can speak Spanish or does speak Spanish at this point. Um, but not me, probably not a, Bad idea to go back and it, I remember it being actually fairly easy to learn Spanish, but um, like most things I learned in school, <laughs> I soon forgot them. I know we're still playing the song, you know, I like because I like it. You're <laughs> playing, let's, let's turn it up here. This is the now it goes into Spanish. what is it about yeah i know you know now i sound like my parents right you kids have no attention span (laughs) i mean this this thing about the lack of attention span this has been going on for parents have probably always said this right it's probably hundreds of years people complaining about their attention span John Adams is probably yelling at John Quincy Adams. You have no attention span. Have you completely forgotten? This is America. But, you know, now I just I think it's I don't think I'm saying anything that none of us don't already agree with. And it's not it's not a knock on any age group or demographic. It's. I think there's something about we truly do not want to remember things that happened like yesterday, you know, last week, I mean, th- right. I mean, think about this, like they're okay. Here's, I'll, 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 I'll test you guys. You're listening to me right now. And um, I'm recording this and it's basically been, I don't know, maybe um, 10 days. This is during the 4th of July week was really just over a week ago, right? It'll be, all, I guess, well, okay. The 4th of July is almost two weeks ago, but still, Do you remember the fact that the four hottest days ever recorded and not just ever recorded since we started, you know, keeping track of temperatures with the National Weather Service? So that was probably in the 1880s, not just the four hottest days ever since the 1880s, but scientists, there's a way now they can kind of track. Don't ask me to explain this either. All right just go with it because they kept saying this on the days it was happening on the, it was like July 3rd, July 4th, July 5th. This is the hottest day in a hundred thousand years. And okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to accept that they know that there is a way to know it, you know, just like the rings in a tree can tell us how old the tree is. There's something, you know, that's, I don't know, something that's been left behind for a hundred thousand years. There's a melted ice cream cone from a hundred thousand years ago that somehow got fossilized and now they can tell how friggin' hot it was, you know, on that day. I don't know what it is, but trust me on this. When you hear on the news, it's the hottest day, not just the hottest day in July, but the hottest day like ever. What are we to do with that? I mean, really, what are we to do with that? And they're not just talking about in the U.S. We're talking about the whole damn planet. Okay, now how? Now you, you, some of you heard this right a week or two ago. Now let me ask you: How many times have you thought about it in the last couple of weeks? In the last couple of days, has it crossed your mind? Did you remember that it happened? Yeah, you remember now because I'm saying it. But right away, we just want to forget about it. That's what it is. I think that we have developed in the human brain, some kind of a uh, uh, tripwire some fail safe button that says, okay, I don't wanna think about this, please. I got too much going on. No, stop. That's it. And so we don't think about it. it, it, it somehow it stays in the brain so that you can remember it when somebody like me brings it up on a podcast, but you don't want to remember it. You're listening to me right now. You're sitting on a beach right now listening to this, or you're in the park, or you're out on your porch, or, you know, it's summer. You know, it's sort of a beautiful day. You know, I know it's 129 degrees somewhere in Arizona right now. Awful flooding going on elsewhere. All kinds of horror. And it's like, now here I am bringing this up, Mr. Summer Buzzkill. (laughs) And it's like, dude, really, Mike, we like listening to the podcast here, but can't you just do like a happy podcast? It's the middle of summer. It's the middle of July. You know, why do we need to know that the four hottest days in the last hundred thousand years were just a week or two ago? Well, because, okay, now that I've brought it up, and I don't want to think about it either. I mean, I started off playing this song. I was kind of at a you know, somewhat happy mood. But then I heard that the, you start to listen to the song, even the parts that are in English, you can see she's not happy that she's back in East Atlanta. She she wants to be in Havana. It's where she left her love. God, when do you ever hear a song in this country that uses the words Havana and love in the same sentence? Why is that? why are we still behaving this way toward Cuba? Okay, I know, don't, please don't go there. I know, I know. So I started paying some attention to this. And we went through the four hottest days ever. And then they said that the ocean water is so warm right now. And of course, you hear that and you think, oh, that she's. I never like to go in the ocean. It's kind of cold. It's nice and warm. And they were interviewing somebody down in the Florida Keys and they were saying that they. The water temperature today was 96 degrees. 96 degrees. That's a hot bath you've drawn for yourself. And then, of course, it turns out that 96 degrees for the oceans is danger. Danger. It kills the animals in the sea. It does awful things to the coral reefs. It does a whole bunch of things that throw off our ecosystem that put us in serious danger. We are, if aliens from other places have ever dropped by to investigate us, I think one of the reasons they've never decided to stay is because the planet is 70% water. And if they're like us, you know, they can't walk on water. So why would you stay on, why if, like if we had to leave this planet and go look for another planet, and we were just in one of those spaceships and we're just scouting around looking for a place to land. Would you land on a planet where if literally if you step anywhere onto 70% of its surface, you would just sink and drown? You wouldn't say, hey, let's set up the new earth on this planet. No, you want to look for a place with solid ground, you know, in an atmosphere where you can breathe. I guess those would be the two big things you'd look for, right? And, you know. Some kind of coffee shop, every few hundred feet. I don't know what what would be the criteria of looking for a new place to live because this place is becoming quite unlivable. We can't survive with the oceans at ninety six degrees. That's death. But that was on the news this week, and I had already forgotten about it until I just sat down now and I started thinking. Yeah. You know, not only was it the hottest day in a hundred thousand years, it has heated up the temperature of the oceans and now the oceans are in a state of catastrophe. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about it. See, my brain's trying to protect me because right, we all know the happier we are, the the better our health just internally, right? You got to get through the day and you don't want to be thinking about the end is here. You better not to think about it, right? Not do anything about it. Well, no, no, we've got to do something about it. Remember last month at one of these podcasts, I talked to you about the day the sky turned orange in New York. I mean, literally, it was like science fiction. Of course, my first thought was, man, if I ever want to film a scene in the future where literally at two in the afternoon it's so dark out, where the sky is so you know, orange, dark, dark orange. All the streetlights that come on automatically at night came on at two in the afternoon. I went out on the street. I couldn't see maybe maybe four blocks down the street. That's it. After that, it was just a wall of like a fog wall because it was all the Canadian smoke. The fires up in Canada. But how many of you have been thinking about the fires in Canada the last few days? Not me. You? No. Right? They're still burning. You know that? They're still burning. I just looked this up here just before I turned on the microphone here. You've got over 500 out of control fires still burning in Canada as we speak. You know, mostly, you know, forest fires. And just because we're lucky because of how the wind has shifted or whatever. So the sky is an orange. I'm not breathing smoke particles, whatever. And yet it is still with us right now. And I know, I know you're on the beach. You're listening to me. You've already turned this off because it's like, where is he going with this? Nothing but doom and gloom, Mike. Yeah, but no, it's not so much that I just want to know why I haven't thought about it. How did I forget? that I looked out, it was two in the afternoon, and it looked like the earth, like something had hit us. Everything was on fire. The sun was like a a bright little speck in the sky. Because we don't want to think about it. Now, who can blame us, right? Our brain doesn't want us to think about it. Okay. So think about this. All right. Last Thursday, last just last Thursday, there was a massive solar storm. That's a storm that starts on the sun and has these explosions and blows itself across the solar system. The solar storm can get to us in sometimes a few days, maybe a week. So on Thursday, though, You know, they actually the scientists, they have NASA, they have names for different parts of the sun. Like that's the northwestern part of the southwestern part. But they also have for sunspots, you know, the big are called sunspots. So on Thursday, sunspot AR three, three, seven, two. You've been there, right? Right No, never, never taken a vacation there on sunspot AR three, three, seven, two. It's there. And on Thursday, it had eight separate explosions, just like these massive bomb-like explosions that blew out these solar particles, created a solar wind, and made its way to Earth in record time and caused a rolling blackout, this is last Thursday, across our entire planet where that basically the blackout wasn't wasn't so much our it wasn't electricity this time it was the radio waves that we use for radio and other forms of communication whatever on this planet and it just they just went dark they went it just went dead for a series of minutes across the entire planet earth did you hear about this are you hearing this for the first time you did not know that last thursday there was a series of blackouts across our entire planet because our magnetic field that is protecting us from solar storms. All right. This is why the only reason the earth is still alive. uh, The only reason I'm able to binge on certain streaming shows on Netflix and elsewhere is because there's a magnetic field protecting us. You know, Mars, billions of years ago, had the same magnetic field made of the same material that protected it from the sun. And so at that time, Mars, I, know, I only know this because I was watching NOVA on PBS. You know you know your life. It's the middle of the summer. Right? I know what you're thinking, right? Mike, you really got to get out more. I mean, you can still make friends at your age. It's, <laughs> it's okay. But you're sitting in the middle of the summer watching a PBS rerun on a show called Nova? Yes, I was. Yes, I admit it, I was. I'm not, And I'm not that uninteresting uninter- or boring or whatever. I just was mesmerized by the story of Mars and how a few billion years ago, there was so much water on Mars. It was covered with water. How much was it covered? Well, quite a bit, like us, 70%. Oh, we couldn't go to Mars. Where, where could we build condos with all that water? Unless there's, shut up. Just listen to the story. Okay, so so Nova tells me that it had so much water. There were the there was this one place. It was like our Niagara Falls. It was this huge falls, water gushing over and over this into this huge like canyon. Except this waterfall on Mars is estimated to have been over six miles wide, wide, and then the length of it was like 60 miles. It's like, I can't even fathom what that means, but that's how much water was on Mars. And they had volcanoes, which with fire, so they had fire, they had water, they have these elements on what we, when we're looking for life in the universe, And I I started thinking, why are we looking for life in the universe? If life was really that close to us and then no longer was, A, why wasn't it? And B, you know, maybe, maybe in a way that we can't figure it out in our own solar system, maybe we don't need to travel a gazillion miles to find it. Maybe it's right here. But for some reason, the electromagnetic field protecting Mars, you know, up in its atmosphere from the solar storms that, are constantly erupting, uh, failed. And that basically that was the end of Mars as an Earth like planet. And became just essentially this desert planet with red sand, the red planet. So then I started looking up what well, just how thick is this electromagnetic field that's supposed to protect us like this could happen to us what if it went out what if it went out what would happen well of course what would happen is it would be the end of us are we thinking about that at all ever you can look all this up these things i'm telling i looked a little further do you realize that there was a solar storm that got through our field i guess it happens maybe every sometimes every hundred years every few hundred years back in 1859 a solar storm made its way through. Earth's shield. Now, see, we didn't have electricity back then. We didn't have, you know, an electrical grid. I mean, we knew what electricity was because I think Ben Franklin flew a kite and there was a key on the kite and the lightning bolt hit the kite. Is that right? I, I don't know. Something we learned in fifth grade. Um, so they knew what electricity was, and there was, but we they hadn't figured out a way to harness it, to use it. Which they would by the end of the 1800s. And suddenly there were, you know, lights in our homes and lights on the city streets and whatever. So in 1859, it made it through. We did have one thing that was sort of, let's just say, electronically based. It was the first thing that we had set up as humans where we weren't communicating with smoke signals, pony express. We need to get a message somewhere. The telegraph in the 1800s was invented. And by just clicking on a, two pieces of metal together and sending it out through a wire, you could send a message to somebody 10 miles away, hundred miles away. And eventually they were able to string up uh, after, you know, slaughtering enough native Americans, a wire or two or three across the entire country. And you literally could send a telegraph message from New York to California. And it was revolutionary at the time that and the railroads, which again, the the transcontinental railroad happened around the same time. It was the reason that they eventually, they had to invent the idea of time zones because think about this before the telegraph or the railroad, why would you need to know what time it was in California if you were on the East coast? because you you didn't want to wake anybody up. (laughs) There was no need for to know what time it was out there because there was no way you were going to talk to anybody out there. Or, oh, I need to get this. I need to get, they need to get this by five o'clock today. Well, that's not going to happen. There was no way to fly out there. There was no way to get a message out there. There was, we're talking about just in the 1800s. We're not even talking 200 years ago, all right? I know you didn't tune into this for a history and and science uh, lesson here today, but when I heard that there were these eight like bombs that went off in the sun on this one sunspot, AR-3372, and it shot all this solar shit across Venus, across Mercury, across wherever, uh, whoever else was out there. And it hits us. And it causes a radio blackout last Thursday. Don't you think we should know about this? You know, I just found out about it because I was looking up this stuff about the why are there still five hundred fires in Canada? And then I learned that there was a solar and in the, in reading about the solar storm of eight, of eighteen fifty nine. They said that had we had electricity back then, that if we had like the electrical grid that we have, you know, like there's the East Coast grid and the West Coast grid, and you know how Texas remember how they've got their own grid, they didn't want to be attached to anybody else's grid. So when it went down a couple winters ago and people froze to death, uh, but at least they got to Texas still gets to have their own grid. That a solar storm, if it hit the grid, it would put the grid out. It, it literally could knock out the grid a storm the size of the one that took place in 1859. And if that happens, if like, let's say just even one section of the country, just let's just say the Northeast, the the grid goes down. That's it folks. Not it as in the, the planet blows up or anything. It just means that what do you need electricity for? Well, how about to pump the water? How about just to get water into your house to get the water from wherever the water is coming from. We aren't the Romans, you know, it's, it's not a series of aqueducts that are essentially using gravity. You need electricity the way we have our modern system set up to have the pumps function and make it into your faucet. And humans can last what, four days, If you don't drink water, any water, nothing, no liquids in four days, essentially the human body gives up. So if you lose the electrical grid, there's no backup grid, you know that, right? There's no backup grid. It would take in this one article I read, like if the East coast grid went out, it would take anywhere from six to 18 months to rebuild it, to repair it. What do you think it's going to look like in Boston or New York city or, you know, Pittsburgh or whatever, when suddenly people can't drink water when the basic things that we use electricity for, for our life, our lives, our daily lives are gone. And again, the more I dig into this, I'm thinking it's summer. Why are you reading this stuff? Put the, put the music back on. This no, actually let's, this is the only way we're going to have to shut me down. Let's just put the, let's put the music. I don't want to be thinking about sunspot AR. 3372 and the eight explosions it had last Thursday, how it made it to Earth and knocked out a lot of our radio systems for a period of time. What's that got to do with me? I'm on strike. I'm a member of the Writers Guild and I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild, and that's what I'm going to focus on. And whatever it is I'm binging on here in July on tv because that's just where i want my head right now i want it yes you can turn you can turn the music up yes there we go there we go think of havana yes much better now much better Okay, so, um, anyways, before we, uh, move on to happier news, hopefully, uh, let me thank the underwriters uh, for this episode of Rumble with Michael Moore. Um, and much appreciation to them for supporting my voice. And first up, of course, is Shopify. Thank you, Shopify. Rumble listeners have uh, heard me talk about Shopify many times. Shopify is what's is a, called a commerce platform that's revolutionizing millions of businesses around the world, and especially small businesses, but also nonprofits and schools and just people at home uh, wanting to get their own thing going and be their own boss. So whether you're running your own business out of your garage, uh, or you've got a storefront in town, or you're setting up shop virtually from the comfort of your couch, Shopify is the all-in-one tool that can help you start, run, and grow your own business. And they make it really easy with Shopify's single dashboard. You can manage orders and shipping payments from anywhere. Plus Shopify's award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. There's a reason that millions of people across 170 countries have chosen Shopify. So if you've got an idea, for your own shop sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash rumble and make sure you write rumble in all lowercase r-u-m-b-l-e rumble lowercase go to shopify.com slash rumble to take your business to the next level today that's shopify.com slash rumble i'd also like to thank another longtime rumble supporter and that is moink Moink, of course, is the subscription service that gives you access to the freshest, sustainably sourced meat and fish delivered straight to your door, all while supporting small American family farms. Their whole ethos at Moink is to help keep rural America financially independent from big agriculture. And the meat, I'm telling you, as an omnivore, frankly, is delicious. You get to choose what is delivered in every box, from ribeyes to chicken wings, pork chops, salmon fillets whatever you're in the mood for plus you can cancel this at any time i'm telling you my friends it feels good knowing exactly where your meat is coming from so keep american farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com/rumble right now and listeners of this show get free ground beef for a year that's 1 year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste but it's only for a limited time so moink Box.com and Moink is spelled M-O-I-N-K, Moink, Moinkbox.com slash rumble. Got that? All right. Thank you, Moinkbox, for helping me out here with this podcast, and thank you for supporting the smaller family farms. It's much appreciated. What the hell is wrong with Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? What is going on with this guy? I met I met him like years ago. He's he was a nice guy. He was a good guy. He was doing good things, and, and then all of a sudden, over these years, he's like uh, lost his mind or something. I don't know. I don't know how to say this, and it's like. You know what I'm talking about, right? He de- <laughs> yeah, jeez. Oh, Anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist. He believes that the vaccines may be responsible uh, for HIV. Even back when we started doing vaccines in the early part of the 20th century, what was called the Spanish flu. That could have been a result of it. He's been questioning all this stuff, which, again, I'm not against ever questioning the government when they tell us something. You should always question the FDA. I'm not. Please don't shut down the part of yourself that as a citizen in a democracy, we should always be, always be questioning what we're told. But Robert Kennedy Jr. is all over the map. And last Thursday, while the sun's exploding, he's having a little, I don't know, political fundraiser for his candidacy for president of the United States. All of a sudden, some he says something. Oh, I know what it was. See, I put this out of my head. I don't want to think about this. Robert Kennedy Jr. says something to the effect, and he's kind of just positing, you know, he's just kind of thinking out loud. He said that there's a reason that Jews and Chinese people aren't getting COVID or I I, say I can't even I can't even say this the right way because in in fact, the New York Post actually posted video of him saying the stuff that the COVID virus itself is directed at white people and black people, but not Jews and Chinese. Okay, I say I even hate to repeat this stuff because it's so wackadoodle. Except now I read on Seymour Hersh's substack yesterday or the day before, you know, Cy Hersh, right? To those of you old enough to remember, uh, one of the most important investigative reporters of the last century. The first one to expose the My Lai Massacre during the Vietnam War. Really, really good soul, great writing. And he writes about how he heard through his channels, that there is talk somewhere, whether it's with the Trump people or the Robert Kennedy Jr. people, I don't know where. He doesn't cite his source, but basically (laughs) there are discussions going on that perhaps Robert Kennedy Jr. uh, could be Trump's running mate in next year's election. There, I said it. Okay, I know, don't freak out. But it's like, this is the kind of stuff that's going on right now. And what do we do with it? I don't know what else to say about that, except there's so many people that, you know, I got, to tell you, you know, I do, as I tell you, I read, I read the emails you send me here. I, I read your comments. On Substack, on this podcast, and there are way, way too many of you writing to me right now. You good people, I'm you, my fans, my those of you who listen to this. There's too many of you writing and telling me, Mike, Mike, you should have Robert Kennedy Jr. on the on the podcast. Have you heard what he said about COVID? You gotta have him. Yeah, gotta have him on there. And I'm like, no, no, you're my friends. Don't, you're not saying this to me, right? Oh, you are saying it. You, you mean you really, you really didn't get, oh, wow. Okay, look, I'm not going to deal with it today. Cause I've already, I've already wrecked your beach day. You listening to this, but my friends, um, this is not a conspiracy. And look, this is, I'm the one saying this. I'm the one that has you've watched my movies for years. You've read my books. You've listened to this podcast. You know, I'm the last one to believe what the people in power are telling us is the truth because we've been lied to our entire lives. And that the best way to be a good citizen in a democracy is to be skeptical and to ask questions and to never accept the things that those in power, especially those who hold financial power over us. When they tell us things there should be treated with skepticism and we should all ask questions. That's a good thing to do in a free society or when we want to believe as a free society. And so I know a lot of you who don't trust all this stuff with COVID and the vaccines and all this other related stuff. You're doing the right thing by questioning it, but sometimes, uh, sometimes the government is telling us the truth. There you go. I said it actually, a lot of times they're telling us because they want to live too. They have a vested interest in that millions upon millions of us don't die from a, a disease or a virus from the sun's the solar storm that is on its way to earth right now. Fortunately, they have the same desire to live that we have. And then, but somehow it, the, some of you, oh, I don't know what to say. I wish I could just give you a big hug. I know you're thinking, oh, Mike, you you fought, you fell for it. Yeah, you fell for it. No, I I think I'm a, I don't know. I'm a relatively intelligent person. I ask the questions that need to be asked. I reject the lies that are told to us. I fight against them. You do too. Um, But not everything is a lie. And if our minds get so warped, by all the crap we have to deal with, that we just don't believe anything anymore. How are we going to function? No, I will not have Robert Kennedy Jr. on this podcast, spewing out crazy stuff that somehow somebody bioengineered this, possibly so that Jews and Chinese are protected. Frankly, it doesn't look like the Chinese were protected at all. So that... That brings it down to that. What, what it now? Now it just sounds like some anti-Semitic Jewish conspiracy. You know, they run the world. They gave the rest of us COVID. So why? Why would they? Why would they do that? Well, I don't know, but but I heard Robert Kennedy Jr. say it. He's Robert Kennedy's son. Okay. Yeah, I know. God, what, what, what would he be feeling now, seeing his son, his namesake, saying and doing these things? Wow. His mom is still alive. Bobby Kennedy's widow, Ethel Kennedy, still alive. He's, he's all his siblings, everybody in the family. I know. I mean, they've they've written op eds about it, and they they're just. They're, they're kind of devastated themselves by all this. And the fact that he might possibly try to have something to do with Trump coming back into power some weird way. Well, we don't want to believe that. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't. I can't I, no. No. I can't. My, my brain can't handle all this. It's too much. I want to believe something else. I want to enjoy the summer day. Well, I don't know. These were the thoughts on my mind on this summer's day. And, um, Oh, thanks, Angie. Angie, just put the music back on <laughs> to, to cheer me up. Havana, mm, da 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 da. East Atlanta, da 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 I mean, this is where we're at, folks. I know it feels like one rabbit hole after another that we're sliding down, but. There are millions of us, millions of us who are sick and tired of this, who don't believe in this way of living millions and millions and millions and millions of us. You've got to, if I leave you with one thing, I leave you with that. I'm not going to play any more Havana for you. I promise. In fact, what I want to do is leave you with this beautiful version of the Beatles, uh, song Blackbird. And, uh, and uh, Angie actually ran across this online and it's uh there's a public high school in Nova Scotia in Canada. And this young woman, Emma Stevens is her name. I think yes, Emma Stevens. And they, they put together this recording and they decided to sing it in the native language, the native tongue. Of the native peoples of that part of Canada. The Megabach tribe, which, you know, is one of the largest tribes, was one of the largest tribes in Eastern Canada and in the Northeast of the United States. And like all these tribes and peoples all over the earth, native peoples had their own language. Most of these languages now are, have been lost, forgotten. Nobody speaks them. Uh, The UN has been trying to record and, and keep for posterity, a record of these human languages. And so they decided at this high school to record uh, the Beatles song, Blackbird in the native language. And I, for whatever reason, I just thought I'd leave you with this um, today. Emma Stevens from Allison Bernard Memorial High School. Uh, in Nova Scotia. Um, hang in there, everybody. I'll, I'll come back with more happy news uh, next week. All is not lost. We still have an electromagnetic field, the one that protects our atmosphere and the ones that uh, protect our hearts. Be well. This is Michael Moore. Thanks to my executive producer and editor, Angela Fargos, And,
1: this is Blackbird. see it and these will be oh again don't the day bonic by it do Jo Why must like a garden Tell